I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. Goldilocks Productions broadcasts universal cosmic frequencies that unlock, awaken, and expand the consciousness of our worldwide viewers and listeners. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Enjoy the Goldilocks Productions presentation of the In the Psychic Flow Show with Carolyn Carey. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to In the Psychic Flow. Thank you for joining us tonight. Just want to mention to you, if you're watching on YouTube, on Goldilocks Productions YouTube page, please check out the like, subscribe, and ring the bell so that you will know when we're back on live again. Also, I'm going to have our producer, Tiffany Michelle White, put up the uh, website for um, our special events for Goldilocks Productions for our Spirit Circle, which is coming up this week. Spiritual Circle, I think we call it. And uh, a few other events we have. I have some master classes on there you might want to check out. We've uh, done the live already, but you can purchase the recording. And that seems to be helpful to people. So I hope you'll check that out. And um, thank you very much for sharing that, Tiffany. We are delighted this evening. As you know, on the psychic fl- in the psychic flow, excuse me, I don't even say my own title correctly, that we explore everything metaphysical, magical, mystical, everything in between, your well-being when we can. And uh, we have a wonderful guest. We get love to have professionals from all over the globe. We have a globetrotter with us tonight. His name is Mr. Mark Anthony, the psychic lawyer. Mark, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Carolyn. It's always great being on your show. I, I really enjoy the time we get to spend together. Well, I had the privilege of meeting you and uh, watching uh, one of your lectures, of course, and watching you do gallery. And I'm totally enamored with everything that you do. So I have to put that right out there. You gave me a very quick gallery reading, which I said, I have to tell you, just touched my heart. And just, I love to believe that readings, uh, mediumship readings give, are life-changing and that give peace and freedom to people. And you certainly did that for me. So I just want to share that. I will always be indebted. For that, it really yeah. me. 
I appreciate that, Carolyn. And, you know, what happens for those of us who are mediums, we're the ones doing readings for everybody else. And, you know, people seem to forget sometimes we need a reading. Absolutely. And um, so I'm always happy to, to be of service. And, and you know, people ask me about that. It's like, well, can't you connect with your own loved ones? And certainly. But what happens is when we're too close. In other words, mm-hmm. we're too close to, to the people who passed. And if you're meditating or you're perceiving uh, those people coming through, there's always the issue of, is this real contact or is this what I want it to be? And it's like um, like a doctor. You don't take out your own appendix, okay? You're too close to it. And so many times a medium, and, and we, we grieve, we hurt, because, yeah, we're people, and it's really nice when we can get that connection with a loved one through another medium. So um, thank you so much for, for the privilege of letting me do that for you. That was, it was life changing for me. Thank you so much. Let me, for the few people who might not know who you are, um, you are a very frequent TV and radio personality. You were on uh, both venues quite a bit. You're a great lecturer, as I mentioned, a fabulous psychic medium uh, you're a fourth generation psychic medium. You are the psychic lawyer, and you're also known as the psychic explorer, which I hope that we'll delve into a little bit of that tonight. Um, you're a best-selling author of Evidence of Eternity and Never Letting Go. Fabulous books. I've read both of them. Thank you so much. Great. It, they were fabulous. If you want to know what's going on on the other side, you really got to read these two books. Uh, Mark is an Oxford-educated trial attorney, licensed to practice law in Florida, Washington, D.C., and before the U.S. Supreme Court. He appears regularly on TV. He's a legal analyst. Uh, He's a psychic medium, of course, and an expert on the paranormal, after-death communication, and near-death experiences. You've talked about all these things. Um, You can also catch him on... Uh, Edgar Casey, A-R-E. I just was watching Reflections, an interview that you did with the Edgar Casey Center. That was fabulous. And what else do we have here? Evidenceofeternity.com is your website. You have, uh, you've done some Explorer tours, the Mystical Mayan cruise you did. And let me see, you have a few others on here. Uh, Mysteries of the Bermuda Triangle. Fabulous information that you give. And I, I do want to speak to you this Halloween month about a few of those <laughs> explorer uh, things. And you have some stories to tell, to share with us tonight. So I, uh, anything that you would like to share, I know you're working very diligently. The room that you're in is your explorer room, which we were discussing right before we came on live. Beautiful. Uh, what do you want to share with us tonight and our viewers? Well, I've got a number of projects going on and, um, I was just on an episode, w- which we recorded. It'll be released in, in this season of Beyond Belief. Oh, good. on Gaia TV. So for people who subscribe, and if you're not a, um, a subscriber to Gaia TV, it's perfect for, for your audience, Carol Ann, because Gaia TV explores mystical and paranormal phenomenon. And um, it was really a great experience um, being able to discuss my theories about consciousness and quantum physics, near and shared death experiences, deathbed visions. And uh, it's always fun working with George Norrie because 
he always – like he had me on um, Coast to Coast uh, AM a couple of weeks back. He wanted me to talk about the Bermuda Triangle. And um, he always throws me some curveballs. And, and you were asking, you know, about, you know, um, the Psychic Explorer brand. <clears throat> the reason I was on Coast to Coast to talk about the Bermuda Triangle is because where I live in East Coast, Central Florida, I mean, it's right off the coast. And I served um, as part of the crew. It was a short period of time in my life, but I served as a crew on two different windjammers, which are tall sailing ships. And very, very majestic, beautiful ships. And, um, and um, I'll never forget um, the, the first time I, I flew down to the island of um, St. Martin. And St. Martin's a, a beautiful island in, in, the Leeward, in the Leeward Islands. And, uh, you know, you get off the plane. And, and uh, if you've ever been in the islands, the way that the people drive there is, as I can say, I mean, they're like 90 miles an hour on these little crazy mountain roads and I'm hanging on. And we come up to the harbor and, and the driver goes, hey, mom, that is your ship. And I look out in the harbor and it looks like something out of a boyhood fantasy, like a pirate ship that oh, you wow. Captain Hook could be on. And it's like dark and it was like illuminated out there. And I'm like, oh, yes, you know. So, so I spent a couple of weeks on that one. That was the, um, the, the tall sailing ship, the Polynesia. And then the other ship that I was on was the Phantom, uh, which had oh. quite the history. Um, and the Phantom, it was, um, I, we could spend all, all, all uh, night talking about the Phantom. But somehow or other, eventually Aristotle Onassis ended up buying it. And he intended to give it to Grace Kelly as her wedding present when she married Prince Rene of Monaco. But then he didn't get invited to the wedding, so he kept it. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and, uh, and then uh, the Windjammer fleet acquired it, and it became the flagship of, of the fleet. And so I was down in the Leeward and the Windward Islands, which are farther out, almost to South America. And they're, what's, they're called the Lesser Antilles. The Greater Antilles are... Cuba, the Dominican Republic, uh, Jamaica, Puerto Rico, because they're the big islands. And then the smaller islands, which are farther to the southeast, are the Lesser Antilles. And we would sail along the border of the Bermuda Triangle. And there was this uninhabited island that we'd always stop at. And it was great because, you know, we'd go and, and uh, set up uh, food for the, the passengers and, and have like this big uh, Caribbean barbecue. And the native West Indians, you know, they go, that is Bermuda Triangle. We'd look out there, and I swear, Carolyn, it was the, the sky out there was always this purple, very ominous. And they go, we're not going there, Mom. <laughs> and uh, the captain of the ship was, you know, he was British. And he was like, if we can avoid going through that bloody place, then we will, you know. And so it was really cool being part of this, you know, Windjammer, uh, this Windjammer ship and skirting around the Bermuda Triangle. Now, certainly a lot of planes and ships and, and, and people are going through it all the time. But uh, when you're out there and you're on a basically a giant sailboat and it gives a whole different feel to it. So that was you know, one, of my, one of my excursions. You had many. And um, what was a few of the other places that when you go to a place, um, is it because it speaks to you? Is it something that you you're personally want to explore or that you're asked to explore? And what do you pick up when you're there? Well, like- so it's, all, yeah, it's all the above. Um, since 
The reason that I'm called the Psychic Explorer is I've spent a good part of my life visiting mystical, spiritual, unusual sites. I've always had a fascination with that since I've been a kid. You know, whether it's Sedona or Machu Picchu or the Mayan uh, temples or Stonehenge or, you know, uh, various. And I I get drawn to certain places or I find out that, oh, there's a trip going there or, or I can do this. And it's like when I, I went to um, to the Amazon and, you know, because I thought, well, it's Amazon. You know, I want to do this. And so um, the boat that we were on or the ship from in the Amazon was out of this city called Iquitos, which is in Peru. And we were calling it Mosquitos <laughs> because, I mean, it's in the middle of the Amazon. And at that time, and I believe it's still the case, the only way you can reach it is by boat or by plane. There's no trains, no roads. And it's you know squarely in the middle of the Amazon, the headwaters of the Amazon. And we're on this boat called La Esmeralda. And it was this big clackety, clackety type of, you know, held a dozen passengers and crew. And so we're going up the Urubamba River, which is a tributary of the Amazon, and after about a day, uh, any semblance of civilization was far, far behind us. And the wow. villages that we'd encountered were essentially just um, grass huts. There was no running water, no electricity. I mean, the people were walking around barely clothed, if at all. And there was, and, and the crew was a little bit freaked out by me because they, they, they knew, you know, that I was a medium. Ah. And so this one night, um, or the, the sun was starting to go down. And so we're, we're cruising up the, the Urubamba and all of a sudden all these canoes come up and there's all the, the Indians and they're talking to the crew. And in, in, um, I think it was, uh, I think they speak Quechua. I think it's Quechua there. They were speaking. There's Quechua and Amara. There's a couple different different wow. languages that aren't Spanish that they're speaking. And uh, our guide, his name was Angel. And um on hell, we call him the love god of the Amazon. He was this big, handsome Indian guy. And for what we could tell, he had at least, you know, 25, 26 children by, you know, at least eight different women. And you know, on hell was cool, you know. And he said, El Brujo is in the village and he um, requests all of your presence. Well, El Brujo in Spanish means the witch doctor. So we're chugging up to this village, and a couple of the people, a number of the people didn't want to get off. And I'm like, oh, I'm so totally there. But Elbrujo was conducting an exorcism, and he wanted us to come to the exorcism. And I'm like, oh, i got to see this. Yeah. So we get off We get off the, uh, the, the ship, and here we are. There's about 100 villagers, and it's me and about you know, five other people. And they take us to this hut, and we go into this hut. And um, there was this guy that was with us who had been an orthopedic surgeon. And then there was a botanist um, who was with me. And then this other one, it was a nurse. And it's funny because the, um, the, the surgeon, his wife, we, we were calling them Thurston and Lovey, you know, because he was this retired orthopedic surgeon. His wife was like, oh, simply marvelous. You know, and they're like right out of Killigan's eye. And they were the coolest people. I really love these people. Yeah. And so we go into this hut. And this woman's laying uh, like face down and she looks up and she's just miserable. It looks like her husband or her mother were there and there's this little fire. And I'm expecting the witch doctor to come up with like bones in his nose and feathers. Well, this guy walks up, he's wearing a t-shirt and a baseball cap and it looked like his name would be like, you know, Fred or something like that. Um, but, but he was the witch doctor, the El Brujo. And he was explaining to us through our interpreter because he didn't speak Spanish. He spoke uh, Amara that demons had inhabited this woman's body 
and he was going to exercise the demons. You know, and then all of a sudden my Catholic, you know, upbringing starts coming up with, well, what if there really are, you know, <laughs> start yeah, right. that, you know, but, but, um, so he started, he had all these little bottles with these various liquids in them and he started pouring them all over this lady's back and rubbing and chanting. And he started licking and slurping them off her back. And he spit this huge glob of stuff in his hands, dripping through his finger. And I remember the surgeon's wife's like, oh. <laughs> I mean, like, and, and he flings this glob into the fire and it starts sputtering and he's chanting. And then he said something to Angel and Angel looks at me and said, El Brujo says he has cast the demons into the shadowy flames. And then he said, and he said, and he wants you talks to spirits, no talks to ghosts. And apparently the people in the Amazon had heard about me. And it seems like um, rumors and gossip travel as quickly there as anyone else. So they were calling me like talks to ghosts. And someone says, I like dances with wolves. You know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and so all of a sudden, all these people in this hut are looking at me. And outside, there's all these villagers looking in to see what's going on with exorcism. And the botanist is sitting next to me. And they're all looking at me. She says, Mark, don't screw this up. That's <laughs> you know, because, you know, the last thing I wanted to do is insult a witch doctor when we're like, you know, the only Americans in the middle of this jungle and surrounded by these villagers. And the fascinating thing is while this was going on, the surgeon said, this woman has a herniated disc. He goes, I've seen this thousands of times. And so I'm looking at this and El Brujo's looking and everyone's looking at me. And he was like so proud of the ritual he performed. And I said, there are no demons here. And and they translate and they're all happy. And then he's explaining. He was like a Harvard uh, surgeon explaining to a medical school class. He said, I will now prevent the demons from returning. And he pulls out this herb and the botanist goes, oh, dear God, he's got to be kidding. And I go, why? And she said, that's the Amazonian version of poison ivy. And he starts whipping this lady's back and we're seeing the welts forming on her back. And, and the woman's like, ah, you know, and he, and he's explains that she'll feel better in a week. And we're in the botanist going, well, she couldn't feel any worse. And the, the surgeon, <laughs> the orthopedic, <laughs> sorry, the orthopedic surgeon says to me, he said, he said that, of course, he said, she'll feel so bad now that when the welts subside, she'll think she feels better, although the herniated disc in her spinal column will remain. And what it is, what we saw is that she looked perfectly healthy. They couldn't figure out why there was pain there. So clearly it must have been a demon. And and um, I remember, like, I, I've been criticized by, by some people saying, well, you're very condescending towards, you know, shamans and all that. It's like, no, I'm not. But this is what I saw. It was verified by an orthopedic surgeon, okay? And this is not unusual in, 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 in uh, I'm sorry, but primitive belief systems. You know, it's, it's like <clears throat> in, in Turkey, there is a place that the Greeks and Romans called the mouth of Hades, the mouth of hell. And it was supposedly at a cave 
that if you went in, it was the doorway to the underworld, to where the god of death, uh, Hades, uh, the Greeks called him, and Pluto, the Romans called him. And according to Cicero and according to Strabo, the, the ancient Greek philosopher, anyone who entered the cave or any animal would immediately drop dead. Well, a few years ago, archaeologists discovered this site, and they it tipped them off that this might be the legendary gate of hell because there was all these dead birds in front of it. Oh, wow. And so, and there was also a statue of Cerberus, the, the three-headed dog that guarded the underworld. And the legend has it that the foul breath of Cerberus would strike down any human that dared to enter the kingdom of the dead. And also Cerberus would keep the spirits that wanted to, you know, try to escape from, from leaving. Well, this area is extremely geologically active and it's on top of a volcanic vein. And so the archaeologists brought in geologists and they started studying it. Now, the air that we breathe is normally 0.039% carbon dioxide, which is no big deal. But if you start increasing carbon dioxide levels, it'll make you hallucinate, which is why they'd have all these orgiastic type, you know, rituals in Pluto. But if you get up to 10% uh, carbon dioxide in the air, it will kill you within 30 minutes. But inside the the cave, which they call the plutonium, the gateway to Pluto, Pluto, you know, Hades, God of Death's realm, the air was 91% carbon dioxide. You go in there and you take a breath, you're dead like that. So the Greeks, being very logical, created an, uh, an explanation. They knew the air was toxic. So they created the legend that the foul breath of uh, the three-headed monster uh, Cerberus would strike down anyone who would enter. And the thing is, if people didn't believe that, they were welcome to walk on in, and there they went. And so to this day, 2,000 years later, the carbon dioxide emissions are still coming out. So in societies that don't necessarily have the advantage of scientific and medical understanding, they have to explain it in terms that they understand. That's what the Greeks did, and that's what um, El Brujo and the people in the Amazon were. And and I don't mean to be disrespectful or or detract from them at all, because that's their perception right. and explanation of of the supernatural. What do you when you're Landing in some of these places, you had some excellent tours, uh, the Mayan tour. The Mayans, yeah, the Mayans. Mayans. Uh, What do you pick up when you are there? Are you seeing what's happened in the ground, what's dug underneath? Yeah. um, See, when when you go to some of the the Mayan pyramids, because the Mayans engaged in human sacrifice, and that was all part of their religion. They believed that the, the blood was sustaining. And so they would literally rip the hearts out of people every day and, um, and offer that up to the gods. And if he didn't, then, you know, supposedly terrible things would happen. And, but, but there've been so many millions of tourists there that the, the vibration of, of the ancient world has been diffused. However, I've been to other sites where that wasn't the case. 
-hmm. And I was in um, Hawaii a couple years ago, and we were filming a, um, a proposed a pilot for a TV show. And I was working with the the Lapu, um, who are these Hawaiian priests of the, the ancient religion, very fascinating. Yeah. Uh, the ancient Hawaiian religion, in many respects, is is very very advanced. Uh, their understanding of astronomy is is equal to the Mayans. I mean, it was just and, and the Babylonians. They they really are, are a lot more advanced than than people give them any credit for. Mm-hmm. And we drove to we were on the big island we went to hilo and i get out of of the car and the film crew is getting ready to set up and i'm like why are we at what what are we doing in the parking lot of the hospital and all of a sudden something hit me and i started having a complete meltdown and and rocky was there and she said the camera and get the cameras on because the crew is staring at me and i started screaming and crying and i kept saying they won't stop they won't stop they're butchering us they're butchering us and and I could I, I felt like I was being ripped apart and stabbed and in my my mind flooded with this this massacre, and then all of a sudden I realized what was happening and it really kind of was embarrassing because I mean I didn't mean to to totally flip out but what happened was um, I wasn't prepared I and mean, I wasn't like on guard I didn't you know wasn't anticipating this and what the the Hawaiians told us. And one of them, they said, holy, you, know, you can fill in the blank there. They said, oh, my God. And they they, they were, there had been a battle there probably oh. about know, over 200 years ago. And the victorious army executed all of the, um, of the army that they defeated. And the survivors, they boiled them alive. And they, they strangled them, they cut them up, they boiled people alive. And it's right near a place called Boiling Springs. You know, go figure how it got that name. And so I picked up on this, this genocide. And my, my theory, my belief in this, uh, Carol Ann, is that matter retains vibration. Okay. And, and that it's not that the spirits are trapped there. Um, I had a similar experience, which I explain in my book, Never Letting Go. So I'm not going to spoiler alert on that one. And I'm telling the Hawaiian experience because um, that, that's not in any of my my books. Um, and when there's a traumatic event at a place, um, the vibration of that remains because all matter has vibration the Hawaiians call it mana, that every single thing has vibration. We know this from quantum physics, that everything has an energy signature or frequency and that, you know, things vibrate at at different levels. And, you know, a lot of people think, oh, you know, spirits are trapped here. They're not trapped here. When you leave your body, you know that you're a spirit and you go to the other side. Reassuring, thank you. Yeah, but uh, what happened there is because such a horrific thing happened that vibration is still resonating. And that's why people with haunted houses and these locations where, where things have occurred, and that's when people go in and do house clearings or like um, El Brujo doing an exorcism. Um, it, this vibration, it's like an echo that never ends. And the idea is to deflect that off so that the haunting or the negative vibration ceases to be. So I, you know, that's very interesting. Thank you for for explaining that. 
So places like Gettysburg, for instance, people are, uh, even my own son-in-law, he camped there overnight and he was totally freaked out. Yeah. He said, there's a lot going on. I mean, here you hear drums beating, you know, the snare drums going. And- Picking up on it. Yeah. I mean, Gettysburg was a, was a bloodbath. Um, I had a somewhat funny, I guess, experience. I was at the Tower of London and it was one of those days I was all by myself in London and I loved it because I'm a history guy. I'm an archaeology guy. So I wanted to be, because I get tired if I go to a museum or say people, hey, I want to be. it's like, you know, I want to study it. All right. I'll, I'll like analyze it until they, they make me leave. Okay. And I was walking around and the Tower of London is a lot to take in. And, uh, I, and it was cold. It was a cold, misty February, rainy day, you know, like what you would expect in London in February. Right. And I kept thinking about Anne Boleyn. And Anne Boleyn's probably uh, one of the the most famous wife of Henry VIII. Um, He had uh, six wives and didn't treat any of them very well. And I remember going, you know, Anne Boleyn was beheaded by order of Henry VIII. I wonder where that happened. Was it here? Because I was trying to rack my brain. I was trying to remember, did it happen here? And I sat down on this bench, and I'm, I'm looking around, and all of a sudden I get this feeling and I look to my left and down and I kid you not there's this glass sign right next to the bench I'm sitting on and etched in it it says this be the site Queen Anne Boleyn was beheaded by order of King Henry VIII and and I started laughing and it was one of those kind of moments it's like seriously I mean it's like I'm walking along thinking about Anne Boleyn and I end up sitting in the location where where she was beheaded and does that mean she haunts it does that mean that she's on the other side but comes back and visits does it mean that residual energy echo after 500 years is still there it certainly makes for interesting uh conversation so you don't but you believe let's say for instance um You'd mentioned, uh, you know, people's hauntings. I have a friend that does a lot of clearings for people. And and you've seen it. I've seen it on TV. I'm sure everybody else has seen it. When there is residual like that, what you are telling us is the spirits are not there, right? Which is a big belief. So what you're doing is just cleaning the energy. You're bringing someone in to, like, transmute it, perhaps. or But it's there. It's going to. Yeah, because energy is neither created nor destroyed, only transferred. And so in a place like that where there's a haunting, the the haunting, the apparition, the energy is no more a sentient spirit than your reflection in a mirror is you. Mm -hmm. And I know that there's a lot of people in the paranormal field which disagree with me on that, and certainly that that's their opinion. But I've been taken to and gone to so many, quote-unquote, haunted locations. Yeah. And, yeah, there's the presence there. There's three schools of thoughts in haunting. One is the residual energy echo, which, which we're discussing. Another is that the spirits are trapped there. And I don't buy that one for a second. Okay. You don't trap energy. We are immortal living beings, and as soon as we die, our soul leaves the brain where it's housed and reverts to a purely energetic state. And they, we know that we're spirits. 
you know, you may hang out for a little bit, but you're going to go. And then the third school of thought, which I think has a lot of credence, is that spirits will return to a location. So they're jumping from the other side. They're quantum leaping from the other side dimension to ours. Now, why do they do that? You right. know, Anne Boleyn, you know, goes back to where she was beheaded. Maybe people go back to the site of a haunting. I mean, there, there may be various reasons why this happens. And I don't pretend to have all the answers. I certainly have insights because we're dealing with infinite beings. We're dealing with um, beings that exist in a purely energetic state. So we can we can gain insights and have a cursory understanding, but that doesn't mean that that we completely understand what it is and how it works. So let let me just ask you one more question about this, and um, we have a few other topics we want to cover. When you're doing psychometry, like let's say for instance, you pick up something an artifact maybe from one of your expeditions. Are you getting uh, like I've, I've taught psychometry. We get the person, sometimes it leads to the person who owned it, the vibration of the person that owned it. Now that's just psychometry happens to be a way some mediums have trained. Um, are you actually getting, are you getting the vibration of the person? Or are you actually getting the spirit person? You're getting the vibration, the residual okay. energy echo. And, and the problem is that, let's say, oh, this belonged to my great-great-grandmother. Okay. All right, here. I, since we're talking about ancient Greece, here's a, uh, I don't know, something about ancient Greece. Okay. Well, it, as much as we'd like Pericles to come through, probably not. And the reason for that is so many other people have handled it that now their vibration's on it. Okay. This may have belonged to Pericles. It does, and I bought it at a Greek festival, but... <laughs> <laughs> but uh, um, it, it may have some type of um, um, uh, significance in connection to the past in the historical sense. But from the energetic sense, we're going to pick up on whose vibration is on it the most last. Right. OK, great. Thank you for explaining that. Um, you've had some very interesting uh, experience. Once again, I want to promote your, both your books. Um, I've enjoyed both of the, both of them, Evidence of Eternity and Never Letting Go. Um, fabulous books to explain. And you're such a good, I, I, are you considered a teacher or a lecturer or an authority? I don't know what you would call yourself, but you're a great teacher. I mean, explaining things. I've seen you do presentations. They're fabulous. Uh, and the information that you give us is so enlightening. What do you think about um, that is that we need to know. What do you think about when you talk? What do you share with us? What can you share with us? It, it depends on the topic because I have several different genres that I discuss on, such as sci the science of various aspects of the afterlife. Then I have inspirational and healing, like you know, coping with with the loss of a loved one, um, learning about your intuition, and then my ancient mystery series where um, you saw me do the mystical magi, the mystery of the star of Bethlehem um, that have rulers, royals, psychics, and spirits, the mystics behind the thrones of power. Uh, that's always a very popular one. I presented that at the Edgar Casey ancient mysteries conference. Um, then I've got the mystical Mayans, star people of the jungle. I've got who killed King Tut, a murder, Mystery, 33 centuries in the making. It was just kind of, that was a fun one because I love Egyptology. 
I love archaeology. So there's there's various aspects uh, and things. Of course, Bermuda Triangle and uh, the legend of uh, 666 and Friday the 13th. But on the science um, of the afterlife, I like to explain, uh, you know, we call it mediumship, but what it really is, is interdimensional communication. We live in the material world dimension and we're communicating with the higher frequency, the higher vibration of the the other side, uh, the other side dimension. Um, I also give a talk on the science of reincarnation, um, also the the nature of consciousness and the continuity of life. So, that, you know, I, I'm interested in so many different things and what I I'm, I'm so privileged and, and honored that um, these venues invite me to to come and, and share my presentations with people in addition to the mediumship events. So but I think the most important thing is for people to understand that life doesn't end at physical death, that life is eternal and that the experience that we're having in the material world is just a drop of water in the ocean of what we really are. And Amazing. that may be hard to wrap your head around because it is. And, and, you know, we can't, our brain, our human brain is not designed to comprehend infinity. Our soul is, but our soul is housed in this finite body because we're supposed to be, experiencing a finite, limited material world existence. And when we're done here, then then we'll revert to a purely energetic and infinite state. Beautiful. Thank you for explaining that. Um, I wanted to ask you also, we're talking about the psychic phenomena, but you've done some very interesting readings. And you had one who was a, an author that I read, somebody that you read, that I admired very much. I remember buying her book. She was one of the first who has set the uh, tone, I think, for everyone else. Would you agree, Shirley McLean? I, I did. Uh, you know, it's funny because I'll say, you know, I did a reading for Shirley McLean, and younger people are like, who's Shirley McLean? And I say, well, dear, watch Downton Abbey. She was on there recently. And they're like, oh, yeah, her. <laughs> she was fabulous in that. Yeah, she was. Uh, Shirley McLean. Um, film legend, icon, author, first-rate intellectual. She was the first major celebrity to go public with her belief in spirit communication and reincarnation. And boy, did she get dragged through it, okay? And she didn't care. And so Shirley, gosh, I think she is probably about 86 now. And she's going strong. She's still acting. Uh, she's been a dancer, big proponent of yoga, yoga, health and fitness. And for a while, for several years, she had a radio show that she called Independent Expressions. And so I was on on tour. I was um, scheduled. I was speaking in Buffalo and in Lilydale. And uh, we're in this hotel, my manager and I and, and Rocky, she gets this call and she thought it was a joke. She goes, right, right. Yeah. Like Shirley McLean's people are on the phone. And all of a sudden she goes, they really are. And Mark, Shirley McLean's assistant's on the phone, and they want to interview. Shirley wants to interview you for her radio show, wow. Independent Expressions. And I'm like, 
you know, so she gives me the phone and all of a sudden there's Shirley MacLaine. And she started asking me all types of questions. And I'll tell you what, I've been interviewed by a lot of people, but man, her questions were really good, really, really complex. She was uh, very engaging. And then I'm thinking, you know, we're supposed to only be on the phone for 40 minutes. And she goes, Mark, dear, I'm having so much fun. Do you mind if we go a little bit longer? And it's like, you know, like I'm going to say no, because I mean, uh, to me, it was such a privilege. I've I've been uh, such a fan of her, not only as an actress, but as a spiritual pioneer. We were on the phone for two hours and 40 minutes. And I said something about President Kennedy, and she goes, oh, you'd have to raise the bar higher than that. I go, what? She goes, oh, he was such a womanizer. And I'm like, you knew him? She goes, yeah, I was part of the Rat Pack. And I'm like, and I forgot about that. So she used to hang out with the Rat Pack, which was Frank Sinatra, Joey Bishop, Sammy Davis Jr., and Peter Lawford, who yes. was JFK's brother-in-law. Right. And she said that um, she said that um, we also were talking about Stephen Hawking, and she said yeah. that I was in Stephen's office. And he had two pictures on the wall behind him. One was Albert Einstein, and the other one was Marilyn Monroe. And she said, Stephen, I understand Albert Einstein, but why Marilyn? And she imitated him. She goes, because her curves are like a quantum singularity. (laughs) And and she said, um, and I go, wow, that's really something else. She goes, yeah, Marilyn. And I go, you knew Marilyn? She goes, not only did I know Marilyn, she said, but the, the, the studios used to play us off against each other. Now, you got to realize this is decades before the Me Too movement, and women have not been treated very well in, in Hollywood. Right. And so, so getting back to JFK, she said, so I was there the night that Marilyn Monroe came out on stage to sing John F. Kennedy's oh. happy birthday song. But what, what was going on is Marilyn was throwing a fit backstage. And this is Sherilyn McClain telling me all this, okay? She said, Marilyn's throwing a fit backstage and said, I'm not going into that dress. I'm not putting that on. And one of the Hollywood types goes, that's okay. Shirley McClain's here. You're the same size. She'll fit it in. The Marilyn goes, fine, I'll do it. Okay. And she goes, happy birthday. You know, so we all know that. We, we've all seen that. And amazing. And so Shirley said that the I, I didn't like the way the movie studios treated us because you know we were friends, but they made us rivals. And she said that um, she got the parts that Marilyn wanted. And Shirley MacLaine's big break was this movie called The Apartment. Right. And the apartment where I think she played like a, a high class uh, prostitute. You know, had the apartment. And so Shirley McLean, all right, now we're on air. Okay, this is getting broadcast. And she said that Marilyn came to the red carpet event, the premiere in Hollywood. And it was in the middle, it was like really hot out. And she said, Marilyn's wearing a full length mink coat. And everyone's looking at her like, why is Marilyn Monroe wearing a mink coat when it's so hot? So during the movie, Marilyn gets up, goes out to the lobby. And Shirley, you know, goes out there and go, Marilyn, is there a problem, you know? And Marilyn was at the bar and she turned and opened up the mink coat and she goes, Marilyn was stark naked underneath the mink coat. And she goes, now, Mark, that I look back on it, Stephen Hawking had a point. 
<laughs> her curves were more beautiful than a quantum singularity. And so I'm laughing and I go, I wonder what Marilyn would think about you saying that. And all of a sudden she goes, well, you're the medium. You tell me. And it's uh, like, all right, talk about pressure. <laughs> and so, all right, so I'm going to get my composure and I open up my brain to higher frequencies. And all of a sudden I go, I start, I go, I'm like, I'm seeing Marilyn Monroe. And I said, Marilyn was jealous of you because you were able to glide through a crowd with grace and elegance and handle it. And she felt garish and insecure. And all of a sudden Shirley goes, Oh my gosh, that is what Marilyn would say. Yeah. And then I remember I said, there's somebody else there. Wow. She's got the most beautiful violet colored eyes. And before I could say anything, Marilyn goes, oh, Liz, she was such a dear friend to me. So it dawns on me that I'm on the phone doing a reading for Shirley MacLaine while I'm connecting with the spirits of Marilyn Monroe and Elizabeth Taylor. I've done a lot of readings. I've done a lot of readings for famous people, but I'm not sure I'm ever going to top that one. Wow. I mean, those are two uh, icons. That's absolutely three icons, including three icons. And, you know, it it was such an honor. I mean, to be able to talk with somebody like that. I mean, uh, I mean, Shirley McLean, she she went through um, toughest of the tough in Hollywood. She hung out with the Rat Pack. She became a superstar in her own right came out of the metaphysical closet, went public with afterlife, reincarnation, spirit communication, and God bless her. She's she's knocking on 90, and she's still going strong. So power to her. That's amazing. That is, uh, thank you for sharing that story. That is great. When you're um, – tell people what it feels like, how your mediumship works, if you can give us a little glimpse into your brain – how that works. You've explained a lot on your psychic explorer. I've talked to you about your legal analyst uh, position as a medium. How does, how do you see them? How do you see people in spirit? How do they come in? It, when I, I call it when I open up my brain to higher frequencies, because people think we're bombarded constantly. And yes, we have right. the, the ability, but you got to turn on and turn off. Okay. I mean, we got to get stuck on. I mean, I, I got to yeah. get my car fixed. I got to do stuff around the house. I, you know, I, I have things I got to do. I don't always want to go home communicating with spirits. Plus, it also denigrates the quality of the contact. You let them know you're doing this and or let them know you're not. And they'll respect that. That's it's all about building a rapport. But initially, when a spirit connects with me, first I'll get a gender. Then um, I may get an idea of the relationship to you. So, for example, if I was doing a Another reading on you, I said, there's somebody on your level, that means your generation, like your brother, sister, cousin, spouse, friend, um, below that child, niece, nephew, above that. And then they begin transmitting to me all types of information. I'll see things, hear things, feel things. I usually pick up um, right away on how they passed, physical okay. sensations, medical conditions. And and as the client begins to to validate those things, then they'll start transmitting other things. I'll see things, hear things, know things. I'll smell and taste things. And so it's, it's a whole sensorium. Um, some spirits are more, they communicate more through visual. 
some more auditory, um, some more emotionally. But but I I see, hear, feel, taste, and smell. Here here's how I can describe it for the people who say, well, how do you see them? There's two types of of clairvoyance, which is the part of the sixth sense that governs seeing. There's objective clairvoyance. That's where you see them standing like in the room. And the reason it's called objective clairvoyance is because more than one person can see them, ergo objective. Most of the time with spirit communication, because they're emitting these waves of frequency that are going transmitted into my brain, I see them in my mind's eye. So everybody think of the Statue of Liberty, okay? You see it there in New York Harbor, all right? Now, imagine while you're looking at the Statue of Liberty that you got a good piece of New York pizza pie right in front of you, and you're smelling it, and then you're taking a bite out of it, and you're hearing all the traffic and chaos and, you know, New York. That's how I experience it, okay? I see it. I hear it. I smell it. I taste it. You know, it, it can bring you right there. Um, sometimes it's very pleasant. Other times, like when I was at the scene of uh, yeah. in Hawaii where, you know, hundreds, maybe a thousand people were, were executed, that, that wasn't quite so pleasant. Um, but, but each reading is a challenge. Uh, each reading is an honor. Uh and, uh, you know, we, we can't ever take it for granted. We can't ever um, marginalize or, or underestimate what can be transmitted. And, and it's very important, too, uh, for mediums also to be empathetic or, and sympathetic to the person that we're reading because they're going through a lot. Um, and you've probably experienced this. I mean, sometimes people are very, very difficult when you're trying to read them, they're argumentative or they keep interrupting or they're, they're just sarcastic. Um, I mean, I was doing a reading for in what I call light circles, like 10 people and these spirits came through and there was a husband and wife. There it was like 10 people there, but this husband and wife were there. And this one spirit kept telling this guy, he needs to pay more attention when he's driving because he tends to change lanes without looking. And he was, making jokes, and he was being a real difficult client. And I said that this spirit's telling me that you're going to get into a terrible accident and it could result in you becoming a quadriplegic. He goes, I don't care. I wouldn't care. And his wife's looking at him like, you know, you don't care if you're going to be paralyzed. from the And everyone in the circle, and he was being a real jerk to me. And I said, you know, let me tell you something, buddy. I said, I couldn't care less about you, Okay. My job is to transmit information, and I don't care if you become a quadriplegic, but I'm sure that your beautiful wife and your children do. And the woman who's saying this, she keeps saying, Roshi, Roshi, and all of a sudden his eyes got really big. He goes, that was my grandmother's first name was Roshi. And I said, and that's who's telling me this. And when spirits give me a message of an explanatory or advisory nature, like you need to pay attention, you're going to end up being a quadriplegic. That's the advice and explanation. And then they follow it up with an objectively verifiable fact 
Roshi is her name. That verifiable fact is how the Spirit's letting us know that we have properly received and interpreted the message. And his wife hits him and goes, you jerk. She goes, I told you, I want you to buy that car that lets you know when you're um, changing the lanes. It does this this thing. And this, the look on this guy's face. And I, you know, and I normally don't want to get like that. But if someone's going to come into a spirit communication event, whether it's with me or somebody else, and they're, you know, making faces and flipping and making little yeah. jokes, yeah. then they get up and leave because this is not hocus pocus. This is not a joke. This is not one of these like these ridiculous physical mediums that make us sit in the dark and make goofy noises, passing it off as mediumship. When we're actually getting verifiable data, facts, figures, verifiable data, people need to pay attention. All we can do is transmit the information. What they do with it is up to them. But spirit communication, Caroline, and I know that you your approach is this way. It has to be approached with reverence and it's not just me that has to do it it has to be the recipient too and the reverence me be respectful to me but also most importantly there's three of us in this okay there's the other side at the top there's me as the medium on the side and then there's the other person so think of like a triangle okay and all three parties need to be working together so if you have somebody that's rolling their eyes and making insulting comments then they shouldn't even be there okay and, and, and um, you know, people expect mediums that we're supposed to run around flinging granola and flowers and singing kumbaya. Um, you know, uh, I am a lawyer, okay? So if you start picking at me, I'll go into lawyer mode. And I, I don't want to do that. I'm here to help you. Okay? Not, yeah. And that's what's very important. A lot of people, when I'd say 99.9% of the people that come to us, to you or to me, they're they're sincere and genuine about the contact, but you're always going to get that that uh, small percentage who um, don't know how to behave. Exactly, I would imagine that's more of a gallery kind of situation or a large venue. Yeah, in the one-on-one, well, it can't happen in the one-on-ones. But um, yeah, in the galleries, you know, you'll get people that that uh, that, that that start the smart alecky comments. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's all part of it. Uh, but the thing is, what we have to realize is that uh, the haters, the sarcastic, the, the hecklers, uh, the disrespectful and rude, the, the cowards on social media that uh, because, because they, they don't have to look you in the eye, okay, become right. bullies, none of them matter. Right. They are irrelevant. What matters is that we are able to make a connection for somebody who needs to hear from that loved one and needs the evidence presented so that they know that someone that meant so much to them did not simply disintegrate into the void, but yes. that they have gone on to a higher frequency. You have a lot of um, groupies on here, Mark, a lot of admirers. I just want to point that out. A lot of people have seen you work and are, are, of course, just absolutely mad about you. Just love you. Very supportive. Virtual hug I'm getting from Terry's. Okay. Um, A lot of people are here that are aware of your gifts. I did have one question I thought would be relative. Can you, I can't find it now, of course. Um, Does it, do you think that you, can you feel spirit people? Like, what does it feel like? 
Does it feel like a person? Does it feel like, do you ever actually feel like you can touch the person? That's what the question was. Well, pretty much the way I described the Statue of Liberty with the pizza in New York, uh, that's the way it uh, is most of the time. But I have felt physical sensations. Mm-hmm. Um, usually it's when it's like uh, my mom or my dad uh, come through. I feel like on, on uh, I feel like yeah. they're coming behind me putting their hands right yeah. here. And I think that the reason I feel that particular sensation is that's also runs along our spinal column. Correct. And so we're very neurologically sensitive to the energy. That's also like when you walk into a haunted house and you get the cold chills and tingles, what's actually happening is that we have an electrical field. Our nervous system has an electrical field. Our brain has an electrical field. Certainly um, the spinal column and our back is, you know, big electrical cable. And so when we encounter the energy of a spirit, their electromagnetic field interfaces with ours and we get the cold chills and tingles, which is the same physiological sensation in the flight or fight response, which is why many people immediately jump to the conclusion that this is scary and spirit communication is negative. And that is a logical assumption, although one that is ill-founded. And that's why approaching spirit communication, whether it's as a medium or whether you're part of a paranormal investigation, a.k.a. ghost hunting, you have to maintain your objectivity and not immediately jump to conclusions. Correct. And you um, really pursue the scientific side of this. How do you feel about it? Are you glad to see a lot more like even the Spiritual Naturalist Union is blending science and spirituality? Are you glad to see that? Does that make it more valid for you? Um, how do you feel about that? That's a good question. Yeah, yeah I appreciate that. Um, yes, because I believe that there is an explanation for everything. It, you know, in, Whenever studying supernatural phenomenon, the lack of evidence does not necessarily mean the absence of evidence. Okay. And if you look at what Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, uh, who wrote Sherlock Holmes, he was also a medium. And I love what he said, when you remove the impossible, you have the solution, no matter how improbable. It's the same thing with what we do. There is a reason this happens. This isn't some magic hocus-pocus we are aligning with a higher frequency to receive information from purely energetic beings. Now, the skeptics, the nihilists, uh, the sarcastics, the cynics um, think that that's absolutely absurd because I guess they believe that unless you can see, feel, hear, taste, smell, and touch it, it doesn't exist. Right. And then they say, well, there's no science. But see, they've already torpedoed their own argument. Because science teaches us that 90% of the universe is beyond the perception of the five physical human senses, that it's dark matter and dark energy. And also that's assuming, let's go back to the days before a microscope, what caused disease? Now we're back in the Amazon, must be demons, right? Then this thing called the microscope gets invented. And a whole new world of perception opens up that there's fungus and bacteria and viruses and all these things 
that when they get into the human body cause illness. And guess what? It's not a demon. It's think about, I love reading um, ancient manuscripts and things about the heavens. Um, and I'm going beyond just the, um, the astrological alignments, but when, what people thought stars were. Okay. Yeah. yeah. What, what were these things? All right. Mm-hmm. There's all these theories that they're spirits. That, um, that one's pretty cool. Or they're holes in the fabric of heaven. So apparently, I guess we're seeing the heavenly light through there. Uh, they had all these bizarre theories. And then the, the telescope gets invented. And people think Galileo invented the telescope. Um, he didn't. He actually refined it. And so Galileo and Copernicus and all these other, um, you know, we're getting into like from the 1500s onwards when the scientific method begins to, to come onto the scene, start realizing that the sun is the center of, well, our solar system. They thought the universe at the time. Because before that, obviously, there was the Earth and the stars and the sun went around the Earth. And now we know that we're actually going around the sun. And so just because we don't have the technology to identify and explain something doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It just means we don't have the technology yet. But I believe that that we're getting very close I also believe that spirit communication and the afterlife are based on scientific concepts. This does not negate my belief in God. I just don't believe that God's an erotic white guy sitting on a throne with a scepter smiting people. Okay. Um, we have one of those, but um, we won't talk about that. Well, thank you so much for being with us. Ladies and gentlemen, you have met uh, Mark Anthony, the psychic lawyer. Uh, just outstanding information. Thank you so much for spending time with us. Check out Mark's website. You'll see some great videos of gallery readings, uh, TV appearances, a lot of radio as well. Um, Look at his uh, website so you can get your own reading with Mark and his events coming up. He is doing some free readings on some locales. So please check that out. I know you're doing coast to coast. So uh, thank you for being with us tonight, Mark. I really appreciate it. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Join us next week, people. I hope you'll come back and and meet with us next week. Carl Petri will be with us, the author of Absent Witness, paranormal investigator, uh, independent filmmaker. He will be here. He's been a guest on before as well, and he's going to join us and talk about some psychic phenomenon with us. Thank you for joining us. Have a good night. Bye-bye. Become a Goldilocks Productions VIP patron. Receive exclusive access to live stream special and other epic packs. Join the Goldilocks Productions VIP community today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love 
my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait. Is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.